Discovering more joy does not save us from the inevitability of heartbreak. In fact, we may cry more easily, but we may laugh more easily too. Perhaps we are just more alive. And that quote bomb is from Desmond Tutu in the book of Joy. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the long-term impacts of sex addiction. We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience. And should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. Welcome back, Rebecca. If you guys didn't check out her first episode, make sure to watch that. But this is part two, and we're going to be talking about her insights uh, from her story. And so I kind of want you to kick us off with PTSD, what it is and how it has specifically affected you. So PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. It's commonly known for being something that war veterans experience. And it is, it definitely affects a lot of veterans who have been in war. It also has been shown to affect people who have been through any type of reoccurring trauma. So the way that it has affected me is what happens with PTSD is when our we experience trauma, our brains go into fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And so that means that our brains say the most important part of right now is protecting yourself and keeping yourself safe. So you're either going to fight to mm-hmm. keep yourself safe, you're going to run away to keep yourself safe, or you're going to freeze. To keep mm-hmm. What happens is when people aren't able to fully heal from and process a traumatic experience, if they then experience reoccurring trauma or even can't process or heal from that specific trauma, they their brains then can get stuck in that Mm -hmm. fight, flight, or freeze mode. And that's what happened with me. So when I experienced staggered disclosure, which is my ex-husband would tell me a little piece of truth. My brain would feel like I was not safe because I didn't know what reality was. So it would go into this protection mode. Mm-hmm. And but then I would hear another piece of truth and another and another and another. So I didn't get all of the truth in one setting. I would think that I had grasp of my reality and then find out, in fact, I didn't. And when that happened over and over again, my brain got stuck in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. And I experienced incredibly high levels of anxiety, Mm -hmm. uh, high levels of depression. I wasn't able to sleep. I questioned my reality all the time. I questioned what people's intentions were. And I did feel a lot from that, but there will be certain things that trigger that anxiety and that depression again, or trigger the not being able to sleep. And so it can be something as simple as a shift in the weather that reminds Mm, me of the weather at that time. It can be a date on the calendar. It can be something somebody says, but it will cause my brain to go back into fight, flight, Mm -hmm. or freeze. And I will actually feel like I'm back in. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself, you're not there anymore. You're 
you're safe, you have choices, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can cause all the same symptoms that I experienced originally in that in that um, extremely difficult time of life. Yeah, that PTSD that I think is exactly right. Like you said, most people think it to be only to war vets and things mm-hmm. like that. But when someone's triggered, they are really right in that. Like, it's almost like it's rehappening to yeah. them again. Right. And that's the part that is I'm so you described that so well. But that is such that's something that I think our listeners need to understand that when somebody's struggling with that, it's not just like a bad memory that they're mm-hmm. trying to forget or overcome that they're brain and their body puts them like back into that trauma mm-hmm. again and you're experiencing it like you're experiencing it in that moment mm-hmm. right and so that's so so hard yeah and so um you also talked a little bit about the emdr as um, being a specific type of therapy that you did you discussed that just a little bit in your episode and i really wanted you to explain more about one like what does that define it and um what yeah, what what is that and what would be some of the uses of it? Yeah, so anybody who's experiencing any type of betrayal, I really recommend them seeing a professional counselor. Counselors are trained to understand trauma and to give you the tools and resources for working through and healing from that trauma so that you don't get stuck in it. Because when we try to just push it to the side, mm-hmm. our brains and our bodies can actually get stuck there. And yeah. that become scary and Mm -hmm. unhealthy. And um, so there are certain therapists who are trained in EMDR, and that stands for eye movement desensitization. And can I say that again? Yeah, Yeah. just just say it again. (laughs) Okay. EMDR, and that stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And what EMDR is, is it's a form of processing your trauma in a way that helps you connect with what your body was feeling during that time and then reframe and reframe those beliefs about yourself. So what can happen with trauma is that we experience a lot of shame and Mm -hmm. we tend to these very negative thoughts and beliefs about ourselves. And so EMDR helps us to reshape those beliefs about ourselves and to process through that trauma so that we can actually write the story in a way that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. the way that I explain it is EMDR helps me put all the puzzle pieces together. Mm -hmm. When I experienced this trauma, my whole world was tossed up and came crashing down. And it was like this puzzle that was a thousand pieces scattered everywhere and a part of my healing was taking one puzzle piece at a time and fitting it in the right spot. And that actually helped my brain to develop new pathways mm-hmm. to be able to look at my past and say, okay, this part makes sense. And all of this is how I can put this together. So that way I don't have to sit in that pain anymore. Mm, I can actually move forward and I can believe that my reality and my now is what is important in my life. And I'm not going to have to repeat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that that's so interesting. And it's something that, you know, I've read a lot about EMDR and 
Um, I, I, I do think it can be just so helpful. And I know from listening to you, um, talk about what that's done for you. And so I think that's a great resource available to people. And so thank you for sharing kind of a little more because people are like, what I, what, you know, and I just think it's so great to be able to have something that kind of puts it in like real life experience terms for people to understand. And that's a great insight too, that when somebody experiences something like this, that which is a definite trauma, that they need to see a trauma specialist, right? That almost even sometimes I would even say personally, going to a counselor that isn't could be more hurtful than helpful. And so I think that's important for listeners to know too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super yeah. important. And there's a lot of new science that shows the effect of trauma on the brain Mm -hmm. that though therapists with great intentions can help and can provide resources if they're not trained in a trauma informed method that can hurt because they can actually give you resources and tools that might work for somebody whose brain is functioning at full capacity. Right. But for somebody who's experienced trauma, that can actually increase anxiety and increase stress on your body, which can then cause a lot more confusion. And for me, EMDR was something that I at first thought I, I shouldn't need. I thought I was maybe blowing this out of proportion by asking about EMDR. Mm. And, And what I would encourage people who are going through anything difficult in life is remember, it doesn't hurt to ask. And it is okay to just ask your therapist or to research it um, and to look into it because a therapist who's trained in this will know whether or not this will be a useful tool for you. Right. Yeah, that's super important. Um, So you also talked a little bit about um, in your story about uh, like a little bit about neuroscience and neuropathways, kind of just like a little clip. And that's something that I am like, super interested in and have been researching a ton and has been a source of hopefulness for me learning about the brain and about neuroplasticity. And um, so I wanted you to speak a little bit more about what you've learned um, about that as well, because you were mentioning that. Yeah. So something that's pretty amazing is before I went through this whole process at work, I was learning about a trauma-informed practice called trauma called trust-based relational intervention. And it's a way to help children who have experienced trauma heal from that trauma and continue on to be healthy, successful individuals. Mm -hmm. So when I started going through all this, I actually had this work side of me that knew and understood trauma. And then I was experiencing it in my life. And the reason that I say that is that I was teaching people the amazing gift that we have in our brains being plastic and our brains being able to heal from trauma. Mm -hmm. And I was teaching them things about sensory processing and about empowering our bodies to heal and about the importance of connection with people and how connection Mm. to safe individuals helps our brain actually heal from trauma and grow. All of this stuff, as I was teaching it, I was experiencing it in my personal life, and it actually gave me additional tools that I could use. And it is amazing what our brains can heal from and how our brains can grow. And um, people who experience incredible amounts of trauma, the other side of that is that they can actually experience incredible amounts of compassion. 
So when we grow and heal from trauma, our brains actually increase the amount of compassion that we can have. For what? I yeah. never knew that. You're blowing our mind up right that now. That really just blew my mind. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I never heard that before. I love that. Yeah, and I do. I think that's something, like I said, for me, it's given me some hope of the fact that like we don't have to be stuck and that our brains can change and that we can make choices and all of that has been really hopeful to me because I think at first is like that idea of like, oh my gosh, like the like you're stuck here. Like whatever's happened is just like stuck in your brain, stuck in your head, and you're just like living that out forever. And that doesn't that doesn't have to be true at all. And there's really amazing tools out there. So do you and you can mention this later if you have it, do you have any specific resources you know in regards to that like you were mentioning with the um the like the brain yeah trauma stuff is there any books or anything that were specifically helpful? which you can say like i'll get back to that later and we can put it in the show notes if you don't have anything like that comes to the top of your head yeah i one of the books that i read was called your sexually addicted spouse by barbara stephens and marcia means and that book talks a lot about the trauma that people experience who have been betrayed by mm. and it talks about the healing that we can experience it gives you it's a great resource for putting a lot of sciencey terms into layman's terms mm. and giving you tools and compassion for yourself another one was a, actually a workbook called facing heartbreak by stephanie carnes and that one was really helpful because it was a really structured way for me to work through step by step um, each step of the trauma. Whereas um, you just, you have to take it in little tiny pieces mm -hmm. because if you try to heal from it all at once, it becomes incredibly overwhelming. But once right. I got to a place of realizing this is going to be a long term process of healing from this trauma, I was able to accept that I just could take one little piece at a time and work through it until I was ready to move to the next piece. And that helped me also realize I wasn't stuck and I could. Yeah. Yeah. I think that what they say is it takes three to five years to start to feel normal. Right. Once yeah. you're not, not from the time that something happens even necessarily, but once you've began that healing process. Um, where you're pursuing that that work is that it takes about that long before you start to feel normal. So I don't know if that has been true for you. And it's like, well, what's the idea of normal? But, know. <laughs> you know, but like the it's like normal in the like normal? quote sense of like normative, right? Um, but yeah, so one thing we always like to discuss too is um, what are some things that people around you, like ways that you really felt supported and some things that people did that was really helpful for you? Uh, so one of the biggest things I talked about how connection helps our brain heal mm -hmm. and it's got to be connection with safe people. And I had a great group of safe people around me. So I had family who was very supportive. I also went to a support group. So it was an in-person support group mm -hmm. that I found here locally. And those were a group of women who all were going through something very similar to what I was going mm -hmm. through. And they could understand my pain and what I was going through like no other. They were the ones who introduced 
me to EMDR and really encouraged me to be okay with going and doing that. Mm -hmm. And then there's also um, for people who aren't aren't comfortable going to an in-person group, Essanon, which is mm-hmm. similar to Al-Anon, but it's for spouses of sex addicts. They have a website where you can go to and you can actually go on calls. And there's okay. a call every single night of the week. And you can join in on a call. You don't have to talk Like a to group anybody. call? Yeah, it's a okay. group call. Like a conference call. And you can just listen to people's stories and hear what they're going through. And so I would, on bad nights, I would just call into one of those calls and just listen and remember I wasn't alone. Mm. And so that connection was huge. Um, Rebecca, just checking, uh-huh. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. I just loved what you just had to say, though, right now. So for you, when you were healing from this, hearing other people's stories was really helpful for you. Yes. yes, 100%. So helpful because it is such a lonely place to be. You know, mm-hmm. someone can break a bone and they show up at work and everybody knows that they can't use that hand for a while right. because they have a broken bone. Or you might get sick with the flu and you're out of work for a few days and you come back to work and they know you're a little bit weak. I was going through such a difficult time mm-hmm. and most people around me didn't know right. what was or what mm-hmm. was going on. And I was still trying to operate at full capacity and I felt so lonely. And so when I heard there were other people on this planet who had experienced even something slightly similar to me, it just helped me remember that I wasn't alone. Yeah. And it's so important. I think that's so important. That was huge for my healing process as well. Yeah. Is hearing other people's stories and knowing that I'm not the only one. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for letting me interrupt you. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, I know what I was going to say is some of the things people did to help me. I had a friend who would text me. It was one of my friends from that support group would text me every single day and just say, how are you? And sometimes it would be me saying, I'm good. How are you? Sometimes it would be a full paragraph text message, mm-hmm. but it was mm-hmm. something, just a daily reminder that somebody was thinking about me. Yeah. I had another friend who would call me every day and then it kind of went to once a week and then a little bit uh, less frequently, but it was just to be able to check in and it would be a two minute conversation, mm-hmm. but it was just to check in. So all of those check-ins were really important. And, um, one of the other biggest things I had somebody do is someone I didn't know. I had gone to an event with for church and she asked me if I was married. And all I said to her was, I am, but we're going through a really difficult time. And she looked at me with such compassion in her eyes. And all she said was, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And that was so powerful for me because in that moment I felt like that's all that I needed. Mm. I didn't need a lot of extra words. I just needed people to remember me. Did you feel seen in that moment? Like just seen? Yeah. Yeah. So important. And it's like, she was okay with the discomfort of that moment. She yeah. didn't have yes. to say words to make it more comfortable. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. that's so huge. Just the words, I'm sorry, when you're going through a hard time is. Yeah. But with that compassion, like you're talking about. Right. Yeah. The genuine sorry yeah. from someone. Yeah. And I'm okay with things being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's, that's so huge. huge. So 
we love to talk about the well, I don't maybe love is not the greatest way to say it, but we like to talk about what are some unhelpful ways people have responded. Mm-hmm. And and really it's not just to like air out dirty laundry, right? right? It's really to help people um find un- helpful ways to respond. Find helpful ways to respond as well. And by sometimes hearing the unhelpful ways, it helps them know how to respond in yeah, a helpful like, one. <laughs> oh, okay. I should do this instead. Right. Yeah. So share with us whatever you're comfortable with, just some of those unhelpful ones. Yeah. So sometimes that um, when people would try to reason what was going on, or they would try to tell me that God had it in his hands and it was under control and it was going to be okay. um, It would be when people were trying to talk to make it less uncomfortable Mm. and that would be so difficult for me because the reality was there was no comfort. It yeah. was going to be uncomfortable no matter what I said or did, no matter what somebody else said or did. And I just needed somebody to sit with me in that discomfort mm-hmm. and be comfortable with it, be okay with it. And there were just be times where, I mean, it's hard. It is so hard to sit with people in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. But when they would just try to talk and talk and talk, I just would shut down yeah. and when people would tell me that I needed to let it go or move on. Yeah. Uh, that was more farther into my healing, but you know, you get a year past it and suddenly you should just be better. And the reality is it is a long, long journey mm-hmm. and it's still a part of my everyday life. It's still in my mind and I still think about it. And so if somebody tells me to let it go, I've, I mean, I've asked them, can you please tell me how to do that? Because yeah, seriously, I, I don't know. I mean, I would if I could, Yeah. <laughs> but this is, it was devastating. It was 11 years of my life that suddenly were gone yeah. and it was incredibly painful. And then another really hard thing for me was that I went to a pastor and talked to him about what had gone on. And I I think he must have been confused. I don't really know what caused this response, but he said, are you sure? Are you sure that this is what your ex-husband did? Are you sure that he's telling you? And then I had that conversation and then I didn't get any more follow-up or any more resources. And that was really difficult for me because I understand that it was shocking, Um, but it was really vulnerable for me to open up. And I just, I didn't feel supported in that. And so if people would question my reality, that would be hard Mm -hmm. because that's what I was fighting so hard to read. Yeah. So for that too, I always like to ask, so when someone has responded in a way that isn't helpful, Right. Where they've started this train of like, they're just trying to make things better. And like, they're trying their hardest to, um, to be caring. They just don't know how is what are some ways that someone could do that? Like, what are some ways that someone can respond to someone who's going through something similar like this, that they've shared this experience that they're having, um, some ways that they can respond that would be helpful. That's maybe not like in your circle of, save people, right? Yeah. 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 
So I would say honesty and authenticity is what I always go back to. And to say, I don't know what to say right now. Mm -hmm. Or I have no words. Or this is really uncomfortable. Anything like that. To just, or just to say, you know, my husband now, something that we do with each other is we say, I want to support you, but I don't know. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to say and that can be really helpful because it shows your intention mm. and it shows that you care and that you love that person. I think just knowing that you don't have to have the right words. It really is just about not feeling alone mm-hmm. and realizing that sometimes using more and more words can actually isolate us more from the other person. Yeah. I think that's so good. So good. Yeah. Rebecca. You just schooled me on everything right now. You were like, <laughs> awesome. And that brain thing, I'm st- my mind is still blown by that. And I think that that's actually beautiful how you become more compassionate. Like mm-hmm. what a redeeming thing to have to happen that gets to happen from going through something horrible that you actually get to be more caring. I love that, yeah. that our brains are made that way. Yeah. And thank yeah. you for blowing my mind with that today. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and how incredible that if we have more people healing from trauma and facing that difficult healing mm-hmm. yep. that we can actually expand compassion in this world right? versus when we stuff the trauma and we stuff the pain, mm-hmm. we end up hurting more people. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Great yep. point. Um, so did you have any other resources that were helpful for t- for to you? Did you have any more resources that were helpful to you as far as like books or websites you mentioned a few of them and we will put that on like our instagram and everything too so people can look back at it when they don't remember what that exact wording was but i didn't know if you had any more you wanted to recommend definitely a couple of websites was one is called partner hope it's partnerhope.com and it is a therapist who has gone through this herself mm. and she writes blog posts. She has a free online book and she re- talks about betrayal trauma, mm-hmm. the effect of trauma and how we can heal from that, whether or not we stay with this. And then another one is the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction just has tons of resources to tie addiction and trauma together mm-hmm. and talk yeah. about how that impacts us when we love somebody who is going through addiction and what um, addicts in order to continue in their addiction, they have to hide that from their loved ones. And so anyone who has experienced a loved one with an addiction has probably gone through some sort of trauma Mm -hmm. because they have had their reality manipulated by their loved one. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing those. I think that those are amazing resources that people can access so easily um, and I know, too, you mentioned a little bit, you mentioned Al-Anon. I just wanted to give like a little bit of, so for people are like, what's that? That is for um, family members of alcoholics. It's a support group and, and program for people who have um, been in a family or in a relationship with an alcoholic. And so the S-Anon is for partners of um, people that have, or or family members, I think, I believe, too, right? Um, for people that have sexual addiction. And so that's those two things that she mentioned. But if people were just like, oh, what, what's that? So we'll go ahead and put those, um, all of those resources and the books that you mentioned on our website or our, um, our Instagram. 
And yeah, so I just, yeah, I love all those things that you shared and I think it's so helpful and there's so many ways for people um, to, that like there's hope to find healing and to work through this trauma. Like it's not just darkness the whole way through and that there is, um, that there is hope and healing and community in that. And there's also ways that as you're a person who's around someone that's maybe experienced something similar that you can support them and help them feel seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thank you for sharing some ways that, um, that people can learn more and things that they can do to do better in those things as well. And I'm just grateful again for you being willing to do, um, not just your, your episode where you share your story, but also doing this episode where you share the things that you've learned and your insights about what you've gone through, um, to offer, um, to offer, more hope to someone else who's going through something similar and that compassion yeah you know yeah (laughs) bringing that brain part back again yeah so as always (laughs) um you can connect with us on our instagram at talking about the no-nos and you can also email us at talking about the no-nos at gmail.com and find your safe people to talk about the no-nos with 